Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise complicated lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. For those of you new to the show, we're studying the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, loosely following the study curriculum of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And today we're going to be in 3 Nephi chapters 8 and 9. Well, I'm starting to feel a bit like a broken record, but the Nephites are in rough shape, again. When we left them in chapter 7, it was about 30 years after Christ had been born, and their democratic form of government had collapsed. The people had divided themselves up into self-governing tribes, and most had forgotten their faith in Christ, prompting Nephi to embark on a missionary tour. Quote, And it came to pass that Nephi, having been visited by angels, and also the voice of the Lord, Therefore, having seen angels, and being eyewitness, and having had power given unto him that he might know concerning the ministry of Christ, and also being eyewitness to their quick return from righteousness unto their wickedness and abominations, therefore being grieved for the hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, went forth among them in that same year, and began to testify boldly repentance and remission of sins through faith on the Lord Jesus Christ. End quote. All right. We are at a pretty pivotal moment in American history, so let me clarify where we're at with the timeline. The Book of Mormon so far has been the story of a couple families that left Jerusalem about 600 years before the birth of Christ and were led by God across the Great Waters and landed somewhere in the Americas. These families then grew over the next centuries and formed the two societies we've been reading about, the Nephites and the Lamanites. In the last episode, we read about the birth of Jesus Christ which obviously happened in the Old World, in Israel, thousands of miles away. The Nephites in the Americas saw the signs of his birth that Samuel the Lamanite had prophesied. A new star appeared in the sky, and there were two days that appeared as one day, because it didn't get dark during the night. While the Nephites had been measuring their calendar based on when their monarchy was replaced with a democratic form of government, when Christ was born, they changed calendars and began to count the years in terms of when Christ was born basically putting them on the same calendar system that we use today. We're now 30 years later, or 30 AD, and Nephi, the great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson of the original Nephi that the people are named after, is embarking on his mission to preach to his people in the Americas at the same time that Jesus is beginning his ministry in Israel. Everyone on the same page now? Okay. Now, you recall from reading the New Testament, Christ's ministry on the earth was short-lived, Only a few years after he was baptized and began to teach his followers, he was arrested and crucified. In the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, we read, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. End quote. So while this was happening in Jerusalem, in the Americas, the Nephites also saw the signs of Christ's death. Quote, and it came to pass in the thirty and fourth year, in the first month, on the fourth day of the month, there arose a great storm, such an one as never had been known in all the land. And there was also a great and terrible tempest. And there was terrible thunder, insomuch that it did shake the whole earth as if it was about to divide asunder. And there were exceedingly sharp lightnings, such as never had been known in all the land. And it came to pass that there was thick darkness upon all the face of the land, 
insomuch that the inhabitants thereof could feel the vapor of darkness. And it came to pass that it did last for the space of three days, that there was no light seen. And there was great mourning and howling and weeping among all the people continually. Yea, great were the groanings of the people, because of the darkness and the great destruction which had come upon them. And they were heard to cry and mourn, saying, Oh, that we had repented before this great and terrible day, and had not killed and stoned the prophets, and cast them out. End quote. The Nephites in the Americas were given three days of darkness when Christ was crucified in Jerusalem. It's interesting to think about why this might have happened, given that it didn't happen at ground zero in Jerusalem. But perhaps it was to give the Nephites some time to reflect. I can't imagine how long these three days must have felt to the Nephites, but to have no light, no electricity, no computers, no cell phones, no way of interacting with the outside world for 72 hours, it probably felt like an eternity. Certainly enough time for everyone to really reflect on their lives, reflect on the words of the prophets they had received, reflect on the choices they'd made, now several times for many of them to walk away from their faith and disobey God's commandments to really reflect on the need for God in their lives, their need to hear him. Well, after they'd been given this opportunity for three days and were perhaps finally ready to repent and find true faith and conversion in Christ, quote, it came to pass that there was a voice heard among all the inhabitants of the earth upon all the face of this land crying, woe, woe, woe unto this people, woe unto the inhabitants of the whole earth, except they shall repent. O all ye that are spared, will ye not now return unto me, and repent of your sins, and be converted, that I may heal you? Yea, verily I say unto you, if ye will come unto me, ye shall have eternal life. Behold, mine arm of mercy is extended towards you, and whosoever will come, him will I receive, and blessed are those who come unto me. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I created the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are. I was with the Father from the beginning. I am in the Father, and the Father in me. And in me hath the Father glorified his name. And as many as have received me, to them have I given to become the sons of God. And even so will I to as many as shall believe on my name. For behold, by me redemption cometh, and in me is the law of Moses fulfilled. End quote. If you've been listening to the last few episodes of this podcast, we've been focusing a lot on how difficult it's been for the Nephites and Lamanites to truly accept the Savior's invitation to follow him, or at least to do so consistently. Over the last 400 pages of the Book of Mormon and 600 years of history, the people have repeatedly fallen away from their God, forgotten the teachings of the prophets, and caused iniquity, violence, pride, infidelity, and all manner of wickedness to overtake their lives and their civilization. And really, this is the story of all humanity, ever since the days of Adam and Eve. But the amazing thing about Jesus Christ, that we read in the Bible during his life, and now in the Book of Mormon, as his voice comes down to the people from heaven, is that none of that matters. Nothing the people have done in their past matters. None of the poor choices that you and I have made in our lives matter. All Christ cares about is getting us back. His arm of mercy is extended towards us. If we'll return to him now, he will heal us. If we return to him now, we'll have eternal life. If we'll return to him now, blessed are we. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you and I can walk away from our life at any time, 
no matter where we've been or what we've done, and accept our Savior's invitation to follow him today. And he will accept us with as much love as he gives to the person who has dedicated their whole life to Christ. What's the price Jesus requires for this salvation? Quote, And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso cometh unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize with fire and with the Holy Ghost. Behold, I have come unto the world to bring redemption unto the world, to save the world from sin. Therefore, whoso repenteth and cometh unto me as a little child, him will I receive, for of such is the kingdom of God. Behold, for such I have laid down my life and have taken it up again. Therefore, repent and come unto me, ye ends of the earth, and be saved. End quote. Elder D. Todd Christofferson, an apostle in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, described what it means to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Quote, you can offer the Lord the gift of your broken or repentant heart and your contrite or obedient spirit. In reality, it is the gift of yourself, what you are and what you are becoming, end quote. As you and I decide whether today is the day that we will accept our Savior's invitation to come and follow him, as he gave us the gift of himself, let us make the choice to give him the gift of ourselves. Thank you for listening today, and I'll see you next time.